and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in association with We Love Sport. I'm Nicole Holliday and this is our Women's Euros preview. We're here in the Hogshead pub right by Molyneux where England will be taking on Belgium in a friendly ahead of the Euros. So first up, someone a lot of you will probably be quite, well a few people a lot of you will be quite familiar with. We have ex-Liverpool, Wigan, Blackburn defender turned pundit Stephen Warnock. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Then we have Leicester City's Gemma Perfield, who also represented England from under 15 to under 23s. That's impressive. Thank you so much. And award-winning influencer, journalist, and mega Chelsea fan Amy Christophers. Hello, guys. Pleasure to have you here. How are you all feeling? Because the Euros is, is finally, well, almost here. It's around the corner. It feels like we've been waiting for this for quite some time. I'm not going to lie. We have. <laughs> yeah, right. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah, I think really excited. I think to host it and it to be in England is just a massive opportunity for women's football to really showcase how far it's come, not just here in England, but in Europe. So I think it's a, a really exciting time. I think just the coverage that the, the WSL's had in the last year or so and the infrastructure that's been put in place, I think it's grown the game. Um, I think we're seeing it across Sky, the BBC. It's getting so much more coverage now. And then you see it growing in the country and you see the young girls who are um, who are watching it, who are trying to play it more. The men are getting more involved in it, myself involved and other ex-players who are wanting to see the game grow. I think it's brilliant for the, for the, for the country this season, or for this year, for the Euros. Um, but to see it brought to our country, uh, to be able to showcase it at great grounds, at various venues throughout the, city, throughout the country is brilliant. We'll get on to the venue side of things <laughs> in a bit because, you know, there have been a mixture of opinions on some of the venues, but... Guys, what are you most looking forward to about this tournament? Literally hosting it is is the the main thing that I think everyone's excited about. I'm really hoping that as a country we get behind England. It's a massive occasion for women's football and I think it's the best chance we've had to win a major tournament. Um, we've got a fantastic manager, we've got a lot of youth and a mix of experience in there and I just think it's a really exciting prospect. I think the big thing is at the moment is and I don't like doing this often, is crossing over the men's and women's games. But when the, when the men's game's having such a tough time at the moment, this is a time where the women's game can really shine and the nation can get behind this and really enjoy an, a, an exciting time. I mean, we saw the Euros when England, the men's team hosted it. Now the, the fans got behind it and, and really enjoyed the tournament and it brought the best out of the players. I think if we can get to the games and we can support the team, we've got the the coverage on, on the TV, the radio, the podcast, everything is geared around this and I think it's going to get a huge, huge following. And I really, like, as you just said then, I hope that the country does get behind it and, you know, when it is the men's, the whole country does and it's that buzz, you know, the sun shining and look at the amazing weather we're having at the minute. So I just, I would like to see that and all of the different pubs showing it. I think that's going to be really good as well because that's going to bring in extra viewers and more fans and things. It will only get that though if the team's successful. The team has to be successful, but we've got a great team. Yeah. And that's the great thing about this tournament. When you go into this tournament, you look at it, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later on, but we are one of the favourites to win this tournament. So there's an extra emphasis on it now to look forward to this and think, well, we could follow this all the way to Wembley. And that's what we all want to see. Like you were saying, Amy, there, 
I think, I really do think that this is going to be very, very big for the women's game because I think even the element of, we all know how much we love going to the pub on a warm day and getting behind your team, getting behind England, watching England in a beer garden or inside the pub and you know everyone's shucking their beers up in the air, which is very annoying, by the way. That's me, sorry. <laughs> but it's that, it's that spirit, that togetherness, and we hear that term kind of spoken about a lot around the England national team. And I think this is such a big opportunity for everyone to really get into this tournament and get behind this team. And Stephen, like you were saying, I think what is very helpful is they're very good. They're a very good team. And they're enjoyable to watch. Yeah. It's not just being successful on the pitch, it's having a style of play and, and that's what you want to see. You want to see entertaining players and you want to see a, a style that you, you enjoy. It's pleasing on the eye. Luckily, we've got both. Yeah, there was a little bit of a worry that the ticket sales might not be so good. But actually, we needn't have worried because that's not been an issue. And what's really interesting here, I've got a little stack for you. There's been a report of a 140% rise in viewership of women's sport in the first part of this year, which that's, that's an incredible amount. That bodes well for this tournament, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's you know why the backing and the major people that are bought into showing this and it's been on the BBC and it's all the games are going to be shown. I think that's why that's so important. It's, it's giving back and hoping that the fans buy in and get on board because those tickets have been sold and if we can fill the pubs as well, like we've said, and really get the atmosphere in the country behind it, it's just a fantastic opportunity to bridge that gap between men's and women's football in a sense and, and really get everyone excited and talking and like we said we've got every opportunity to do so because we've got so many fantastic players uh, get everyone cheering and i think i'm right in saying that the final actually sold out the first day that the tickets went on sale and considering you don't know who's going to be in the final and it may not necessarily be england but obviously we're all going to be optimistic and hope that it is i think that just speaks volumes as well yeah, so I actually, I was like, straight away, I panic bought tickets because I thought, you know what, I'm hoping I'll, I'll be working some of the games, you know, but I was like, just in case, and I, yeah, I immediately bought tickets to the final. But even that, though, my mum hasn't really been to a women's football game before, and she was saying to me the other day, she's like, me and Elaine, her friend, me and Elaine really want to go to some of the games. And I was like, you see, like, this is what it's all about, but... There's also a kind of debate, I think, within the women's football community, and I think you'll probably maybe have more of an opinion on this, Gemma, that there's a thing of not wanting to constantly talk about, look how great the numbers are, look how great the ticket sales are, because it almost feels sometimes maybe a little bit patronising, but on the flip side, when you are seeing figures like this 140% rise in viewership, like. How can you not talk about that? How, because it has been growing very rapidly, I'd say, in the past few years. Even from my perspective, working on the Women's World Cup in 2019, when I was trying to do some research on some of the players, there was like nothing. I was going to say that's the big thing for me, though. Yeah. Is like what we've seen this year is we've seen the background work done. So when there's coverage of the women's football, it isn't just a highlight show and that's the games. Now we're learning about the players, we're learning about the, the, the culture of the club and what's being set up behind the scenes. 
I think that's a huge thing. When you talk about the ticket sales, though, one of the big things that was caught the, the social media attention in the media a couple of weeks ago was the Barcelona game filling out. 90,000 at the new camp. Not for a men's game, for a women's game. And suddenly it became so popular, everyone was like, okay, we want to be the next team to do that. And you've seen a knock-on effect now of teams trying to replicate that and trying to beat it, and that's brilliant. I think it was uh, Liverpool had great great crowds for their game in the final, in the final sort of 10 games of the season. They started filling out grounds as well. It's getting so much more popular, but you're seeing what, what football clubs are doing, especially in the men's side of things. They're trying to sell season tickets with the opportunity to go to the women's game as well. It's, it's just drip-feeding slowly. It's not going to be done overnight. This is going to take time, but the, the, the baby steps are taking the steps. They're, they're doing really well so far. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, as a women's footballer, it's amazing to have people in the stands and so many people turning up to watch you play football. It makes you think, you know, it can be where the men's is going to be eventually. And I think the Barcelona example is, you know, a perfect example of that. And I think everyone wants to follow suit. So um, I don't feel it's patronising talking about it because I think we want it to be a norm. So the more we talk about it, the more we promote it. Hopefully it will become a norm and it won't be anything to talk about eventually. But for now, I think we're all just celebrating the fact that we're getting taken seriously and we really are bridging the gap a little bit. Just on the patronising note, I know I was speaking to you before we started doing this, so I just wanted to have a little bit of a moan. And sorry, I am going to come in with a comparison to the men's game again, sorry. But I, as a Chelsea fan, obviously I was very happy that both of my teams were in the FA Cup final. So, of course, I went to both finals. Now, they were completely different. So at the men's final, in halftime, they had the, the legends on the pitch, Zola, you know, they were doing like, you know, the walk around, hi guys, all of this, doing the Q&As and all of that. Halftime, at the women's game, they had Kim Wyatt from the Pussycat Dolls doing a group TikTok dance. And I was just like, I am so punched out right now. Why are they doing this? Like, and I just thought it was very patronising. And I understand that the women's game does attract a lot more of a younger crowd and the parents come and all of that sort of thing. Fair enough. But I'm in my 30s. I don't want to be doing a TikTok hunt. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I'm there for the football. And that did kind of, yeah, grind my gears a little bit. And I just think there's children that go to the men's game. We're not, we're not, like specifically doing something for them so I just found that a little bit patronising so I just wondered if you if you find that patronising or did you like what's your stance on that? I completely understand where you're coming from and like you say you want it to be taken as seriously yeah. as professionally as the men's game I think as a player you probably don't notice that kind of stuff because they're no, probably in the change room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, I think it's just like you say it's a more family atmosphere at women's football at the minute so they probably try and do half-time shows that appeal to the audience but I agree with you I think yeah. there probably is something more football related that could be done there. I think it's um, finding a balance because like Jenna's saying the I guess the women's football audience in general especially at games it is quite a lot of families young kids and also we you know we want to encourage that too because they are the next generation of sports fans yeah. football fans um, but I suppose you also want that rivalry and I, I think, and I think as a player as well, I'm acting like I'm, I'm a player. But I think from your perspective, you probably also do want that atmosphere as well. So it's, I guess it's trying to encourage a, a wider audience, but also keeping that family element, keeping the youngsters getting into football, because that is really important. And um, moving on to some of the criticism 
over the stadium. Mr. Chairman, you're smiling and nodding. I, I will, I don't know why I'm trying to play like devil's advocate here, but I would say that there's a, a wide range of stadiums being used, different sizes, obviously. I understand that some of them are quite small, and that's where some of the criticism is coming into play. But surely it's a good thing that we're using stadiums all over to really broaden the audience. I actually think the stadium selection is fantastic in terms of location. I think they really have covered the whole country and it's given every person an opportunity that wants to go to a Euros game uh -huh. to go to a Euros game. I think the stadium in question was the Man City Academy Stadium, yeah. which I believe is about 7,000 capacity. I think it's less for... The, for the, uh, the women's Euros, I think they're not allowed to use some standing bits or, or something right. I was reading the other day. Yeah, and I think because obviously it wasn't a home nation game and like we said earlier, we didn't realise the rise of ticket sales and how much people really would buy into it. So I think it's getting that balance. You do want to play in amazing stadiums, but you also want an atmosphere. And I think that's, uh, that's where you weigh up the pros and cons of having bigger stadiums like Old Trafford, which is fine for England to play in. But then... Although stadiums like the Man City might be for other nations that might not bring as many fans across. They underestimated how well the ticket sales would do that. Absolutely, yeah. I think, like we said, we didn't realise the 140% rise in, in viewing is, is massive. And I think the interest is a lot greater than they thought. Um, so I think they were trying to probably weigh up the pros and cons of having a good atmosphere, but also having enough availability for people to come. I think if you went to America, I think you go big stadiums straight away because you know the infrastructure's there, you know that support's there straight away. But when you've just talked about the half-time shows and things like that, and you talk about the, the age of the children coming to the game, it's, it's younger people at the moment, so are they going to be able to afford for all for the families to go to as many games? It's such a difficult conundrum to try and get right to strike that balance, but I think we've done okay. I think the Man City one is obviously the, the one that's in question. However... Like, like Joe says, if you're not going to fill it and you lose that atmosphere and you, you get a big stadium, it just looks completely wrong. It's also got to look right on the TV. Yeah. It's got to sound right on the radio as well. And that's what's also the fine balance of trying to get right. I'm glad I don't make those decisions because no. it, is, it is hard to find that balance completely. And Amy, I think you touched upon there. Maybe they did underestimate ticket sales, but I guess you, you just don't know and you don't want to have these massive stadiums that sit half empty because that, that doesn't then look great. Lockdown with closed doors, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you can hear all the sounds. <laughs> right, let's get into the tournament. Should we start with England? What what are we thinking? Surely you've got to be feeling quite confident, right? You have to go into it optimistic. Yeah, I mean you're very confident, aren't you Joe? I'm gonna put this right on you. Well, I've obviously played against a lot of the girls this year and I know the form that they're in and I think, you know, this, this England team right now has got a perfect mix of youth and experience. It's got a manager who knows how to win tournaments and I just think they've got a good togetherness and camaraderie at the minute. Along with the talent they've got, we're excited, we can go forward, we can defend. We've got players like Kira Walsh who can play unbelievable passes, uh, people like Lauren Hemp who are lightning on the wing and will create opportunities for people like Ella White who is key in major tournaments for England and always proves herself. So I just think from back to front, we're exciting. And I think Leah Williamson as captain, it's another fresh outlook. Um, from playing with her at under-15s, you always knew she was going to be an England yeah. captain. And I'm happy for her. And I just think as a team, everything feels right. So I'm excited, I'm optimistic, and I'm backing us to win. I think Leah will be brilliant. I, I love her. I think she's such a great girl. I think she's 
got a perfect balance of like leadership, but she gets on with everyone. She's very personable. I, I think she will be absolutely fantastic. And I think she's an amazing choice. Amy, do you feel like, is it coming home? I think so, yeah. Just talking about Leah though, because it's interesting because she's got what, like 28 caps and you know, there might've been some more obvious choices for a captain, but like you're saying, you know, She's very popular within the team, and I think it's nice that they're, that they're actually coming in and trying to change that dynamic because I feel like some of the captains before, they've been like carbon copies of each other, and now we're getting into this new era, and it is exciting, you know, when, when things come in and just totally change, and I, I just feel like if that's happening now, and obviously with the manager, he's come in, obviously had a lot of previous... Like wins and things like that so it's very exciting and I think it's been taken so more seriously this time because we're going in for it so I, I just can't see us not winning it I think it's going to do it How will she handle that pressure of being a captain mm. for England because everywhere I drive at the moment she's on yes. advert you were talking earlier on saying you sort of helped from the under 15s at England she was already an England future captain wasn't she? Yeah I think she's you know she's very, very level headed um she takes everything in her stride, and I think because of that, she is where she is. Uh, I think she's confident in herself, which you have to be. Um, and I think she backs herself on and off the pitch. Uh, like you say, she builds positive relationships with people. And I think at the age of about 16, 17, she was on the side of billboards with the Nike Air commercials and everything. So I think she's used to the limelight in that sense. She's Arsenal's golden girl, and I think who better to lead the nation? She is. Like, to be fair, a lot of my friends who... Arsenal fans or general football fans maybe don't know so much about women's football they all know who Leah is because yeah. she is kind of po poster girl poster yeah yeah like she, she is like hilarious yeah. she's just yeah. quite cool isn't she yeah. uh, we need to talk about the squad announcement because I say one big surprise is obviously Steph Horton not making the team which will be very difficult for her of course um and that's the, the, the main name that was left out that has caused quite a lot of debate. It's really difficult because obviously it's, it's a fitness issue, but we know the leadership, the experience that she would bring to this team. But then again, I guess I, w I wouldn't want to be Serena Vigman in this at all because when we've got so much talent in England right now, you... you I don't want to say that you can't bring someone into the team just because they're going to lift spirit or, or bring that experience side of things because I guess they've also got Jill Scott who's yeah. providing that experience and that side of the England squad but it's, it's, it's really tough isn't it? It's very tough. I, I spoke to Steph a few weeks back, I saw her about six weeks back and um, I was chatting to her and I said do you think you'll be fit and she said she's going to give me the opportunity to be fit. So she knew she had the opportunity to prove herself, to try and get herself as fit as possible. Now we don't get the, the we don't get the, the privy of being in and around the squad and seeing how fit she is and what she's showing and what it, what is, what the signs are of how fit she is. Now you don't take her unless she's hundred percent or she's ready to be involved. And it is a big decision to make because again, past England captain, she's one who's been hugely influential and been an important player for England. But you've got to move on at some point as well, and that's the hard decision to make. Do you think this is it then? Like she's. No, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's it, but I think it was just for this competition. Yeah, yeah. It was like we can't take passengers, and I'm not saying she'd be a passenger, but 
if, if she's not going to play a huge part in that and you want players to come off the bench and you want to maybe give someone else an opportunity, i.e. a Fran Kirby who's been out injured as well, she feels like Fran's a game changer. When she looks at Steph, she probably looks at the back line and goes, I've got enough quality there that we can move forward. Yeah, that's exactly it. There is so much talent in this team that saying passengers does sound a bit harsh, but it, it's, yeah. kind, it's kind of true. I know how it feels. Yeah, but, and that's the thing. And Amy, yeah, I mean, speaking of Frank Kirby, you must be pretty happy that she's made the team. What player? And Lily Bright. Yeah. I mean, we've just spoken about her briefly, Serena Beekman. She's doing a pretty good job so far, isn't she? The Lionesses are unbeaten since she's come in. And she has that experience. I mean, she won the Euros with the Netherlands when she was coach. And, of course, the Women's World Cup final in 2019. Everything just, like, merged into one the past few years. She, she's um, serious stuff, isn't she? she she's very impressive with this Lionesses side. Yeah, she is. And I think, after talking to some of the girls, they love life under Serena. Yeah. Like, they genuinely enjoy going on camp. They enjoy being around her. They enjoy her style of work. And I think that's important to having a successful team. So for me, you know, I think that's key in, in winning the tournament. You've got to have a manager who knows how to win. You've got to have a manager who knows how to deliver, get the game plan right. And I think she's proved that in the past with Holland. So why not do it now with England in England? Absolutely right. We could sit here and talk about England all night. But we've got a podcast to do and we need to talk about some of the other countries as well. So uh, Group A, we'll start with, obviously, England's group. Quite a tough group to get out of. So obviously that first game for England against Austria, who are an improving side, I think it's fair to say. How do we see that one panning out? I don't look quite beyond England. I, I, I just think in a group you just go, they're just too strong. Um, I, I don't see many problems uh, go, going through the group comfortably. Just Lily again, the, back, the, the fans having that, that home support. I mean, looking out the window now, you can see all the fans going past and you can see the support already going towards the stadium. I think that this is going to get really backed and then you, you, you got obviously get teams coming into your territory and it's tough then. Um, but obviously, new manager, that, that feel-good factor and being favourites, I think it will be fine. What about Norway? Because they're a good side with some very, very talented and experienced players. Yeah, Norway, I would say, are the next best team. And not to be taken lightly by England, honestly. I mean, Kuru Wrighton at Chelsea is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, she has scored some worldies this year. I've been on the wrong side of a couple of a few of them, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But what a fantastic footballer. And I think she's in form and I think she's going to be a catalyst in Norway's you know, pursuits of trying to win this European Championship. So I don't think we can take Norway lightly, um, but I do think we've got enough to beat them. But also because there are quite a lot of um, Norwegian players in the WSL, so does that not give us the advantage though? Because we know what we're looking for with them, yeah. Yeah. But equally they know us, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd say why not, uh, you know, in that Chelsea squad, Millie Bright will know how to play against her and... And Frank Kirby and those they'll have insight into how to stop her but um, it'll be interesting I think it'll be who turns up on the day and hopefully it's us. Yeah that will be a very good game they've also got obviously Loki out of Hegerberg you know no big deal I mean absolute superstar and obviously back now playing. Back in the squad and it's a big call as well isn't it to make sure that you get her back involved and you integrate her back into the squad and there's no sort of ill feeling in and around the squad but um, 
got former Ballon d'Or and it's not bad is it to call upon. And then we've also got Northern Ireland. Gemma, you're, you're smiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, their first major tournament. I mean, well done for getting there, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but to be fair, yeah, yeah. you know. But I... You don't have to wear pants to, uh, to say that, <laughs> to show that your support for them. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to get too far in this tournament. I think it's fair to say. This is a, a tough group as well. Yeah, I agree, but I think one thing they have developed is a, a real togetherness and that they're hard to break down. Um, I think they're very well organised and I think they've got people like Rachel Finesse who are really, she's a battering ram, you know, she will go and go and go and she will get the team on side with her to go. So I think they have a togetherness and I think they're going to need to be broken down, they'll be organised, but I don't see them causing England too many problems. I don't think so either. So we're, we're winning. With Austria, though, I think the only problem we're going to have is the goalie. But obviously, she plays for Arsenal. I think I'm going to pronounce the name right, Zinsberg. Zinsberg, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so as long as we can just get in there with our set pieces, practice those, I think we'll be all right because with set pieces, she's a, she's a little bit. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we need to get in there with those and then we'll be all right. You can win the best seats in the house for England's opener against Austria at Old Trafford with Heineken. To enter, it's easy. Simply head over to www.welovesport.co and submit your details. TNCs do apply, so be sure to check them out before you enter. Let's move on to Group B, which seems like the group of death. I think it's fair to say. There's, there's always got to be a group of death in a tournament, right? That's what makes a tournament. So that is Denmark, Finland, Germany and Spain. That's I'm a glad nice we're not in that one. Let's yeah, that was, that. that's a nice looking group though, right? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to be involved in it, would you? No. I mean, when that draw comes out, you're thinking, thank God we're not in that one. Uh, Spain will be the ones to watch, won't we? I, I, I think. I think when you look at them and... Yeah. But obviously, a lot of their players are playing for Barcelona and you think the form that they've been in and what they've done, they'll be high, they'll be on the crest of a wave and thinking that they can go into this competition very confident. But they do have nine, nine or ten, I think, um, Barcelona players in this side and we know how incredible Barcelona are. And what, one thing you've got as well is, sorry to interrupt, it's, it's continuity. It's yeah. knowing the style of play and, and how you play week in, week out. Also, being in and around the girls. And I know that they spend a lot of time together in hotels, on camps and things like that. But when you play a full season together, that's hugely important as well. Yeah, and I would say the only, the only loss to Spain is Jenny Hermosa, if I'm saying that. Hermosa? 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 <laughs> Just Spanish accent needs Spanish work. Accent. Yeah, needs work. But I think she's, she's a big loss. I think she was a knee injury last week maybe, um, it's going to be a big loss for them. And the only thing with Spain is they have underachieved in these major tournaments, so I'm not putting them to be in the final personally. I've, I'd probably back the Germans getting there before Spain. Stephen's like, oh, OK. No, no, it's, it's on camera. No, no, no I, I want them to be there, I'm just saying, I think they will be. <laughs> Do you think Denmark will potentially be a surprise package? I feel like you're going to say no, but I'm putting it out there. They always are. They're always a good team, aren't they? Even in the men's, and you look at that again. We talk about the team spirit and the togetherness. They get backed. They've got such loyal fans. I mean, they'll come over in the in the droves today. Germany, also a strong team. You can never underestimate Germans, can you? They, we know that as England fans in general, but they're surely ones to be looking out for in this tournament as well. 
I believe the eight-time winners of this tournament, yeah, and that are. is why yeah. I do say that I back them over Spain on the the history of the tournament. They have won a lot, yeah, and I mean they've got Alexander Pop, captain, highest cap player, I believe, and a fantastic leader for them. I think they're always going to be hard to beat. They peak at the right times. They won't probably be dwelling too much on the loss to England. Um, it'll be interesting. We'll see. That'll be a, a very juicy group to watch, I think. Right, let's move on to Group C. Another interesting group because you've got two potential tournament favourites in Netherlands and Sweden. And again, we know the Netherlands. Although they don't have Serena Liegman anymore. I think it's interesting how we took Serena and now they've got an English manager now. They're just like completely swapped the game. The game. <laughs> yeah. They'll switch, but those two teams are, are probably the teams to be looking out for in this group. Switzerland. So Alicia Lehman hasn't made herself available for this tournament. And I actually, I, I think really fair play to her because I think she was saying that she's not mentally ready for it and she's not in the right space. And I think there's so much encouragement now for us all to be talking about mental health and especially players. And it's something that over you know, the past few years is being discussed more and more. And if she knows that she is not there and she's not ready right now, then... Good for her for making that decision because that wouldn't have been an easy decision to make, I'm sure, as a player, right? I probably would have just pushed myself and done it anyway and then really regret it and not yeah. performed at my best. But you'd be like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to get this opportunity again. So you just go and do it. But I think it's really good that she's, she's put her mental health first and realised that because, as you said, that's a very big and brave thing to do. I also think it's quite selfless because she's probably sat there thinking there's someone that can do that job better than me right now. And I think that's really important for the team and the, the chemistry within the team. And she is obviously such a big figure in women's football at the minute. Um, so for her to step down and do that, I think that's a, a big move and one she's probably proud of. She's got like 7 billion trillion Instagram followers, hasn't she? <laughs> I mean, it's, that's not an accurate number. But yeah, she's like, not far off. Yeah, very close. Uh, and then the final team in this group is Portugal, who have been brought in late on due to Russia being excluded. I, I don't know that they'll get on so well in this group. You're looking, you've got that face like a Northern Ireland again. <laughs> like you've just dismissed them. You know what? Well, you know what? We know, and in major tournaments, that there's always the dark horse, there's always the underdogs. Is your dark horse? Yeah, uh, no, I'm not going that far. Oh, okay. But you can never write anyone or any team off because you just don't know, and that is also the beauty of football and why we love the game. However... I think, I wouldn't say that they are our favourites. Why, Stephen Warnock? Do you want to go for Portugal to win? No, no. It's just one of those scenarios where it's got a film written all over it. We, we were out of it. We were on yeah. our holidays and then we got pulled back in and we had a togetherness and we won it. I wonder what the odds are, actually. I might have a look at that later. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard for a team to come in that has not had the preparation yeah. that everyone else has had. Mm -hmm. They, like Stephen said, they're on the holidays, I'm sure. And now, for whatever reason, they're, they're in the tournament. So I think for them, they'll just be here to enjoy the experience. I think they'll be taking everything in the stride. And, and it's a learning curve to hopefully be there next time and then build on wherever they get. But... There's nothing harder than playing a team with nothing to lose. I think that underdog mentality is, is tough. That's so true. And I guess as a player, I, I can imagine they'll be so excited and, and quite thankful to, to be there. And there, there won't be any expectations or pressure. pressure. Yeah, That's the great thing. It's just go out and express yourself, go and enjoy it, go and cause upsets. 
I'm sure people, well, the teams would have been getting prepared for, for Russia to be involved, so a lot of the, the prep would have been at that. And then you're thinking, you can catch people cold. It's not a bad thing to be. Yeah. And there's so, so much talent in these sides that I do think stuff like this does come down to ultimately who can handle the pressure of a major tournament. And I guess we'll soon find out. Fingers crossed it's England. But let's just quickly talk about Group D. So that is Belgium, France, Iceland and Italy. I mean, we've seen how strong Lyon, PSG are. Obviously, a lot of their players will be in this France side. They're ones to watch out for in this tournament, you'd think? I would put... I would think that France could be finalists. I think they're, they're going to go that way. Um, I think they're talented. I think, like you say, they've got a lot of experience of playing under pressure in big tournaments mm -hmm. in the Champions League with Lyon and PSG. So for me, they're, they're up there as favourites. But I think there's four or five teams in this tournament and it's really going to be who hits the ground running and who's, who's on form. Because yeah. it would be, I imagine, from a player's perspective, momentum, isn't it? When you've been in these winning sides, when you've got that momentum behind you, that confidence as well, you'll have that belief in yourself, your squad. Yeah, sometimes you can see it the opposite way, though. You can start too well, and then you, you get sticky results, and suddenly you start doubting yourself going into the latter stages of the competition, whereas you start to gradually build yourselves into it and think, well, we can only get better. Your mentality is completely different going into every game, so... This, you can spin it whichever way you want, really, can't you, from a psychological point of view going into the games. But I, I put France in a similar bracket to, to Spain. Yeah. With that camaraderie and the quality of players that they've got. Oh, right, I'm going to ask you for your quick fire predictions. You're ready. Amy's like, yeah, let's limber up, <laughs> do my stretches. Okay. Who will be in the final? Now, I know that's quite difficult to call right now because it will depend on, you know, who finishes top of the group, runner-up, etc. But who do you reckon? Top top two teams, I guess. I'm going to go England-France. Okay. Just took it off me. I was going to go the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah? Yeah, literally the same. Amy? Oh, I'm going to go England, obviously. Right. Um, but I'm really torn between... Spain, Germany and France. I'm going to push you for your final answer. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'm part German, so I'm going to say the Germans, because then if England don't do it, at least then if Germany win it, I'll be like, well, I am part German. <laughs> Jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, who do you think is going to win? I'm hoping you're all going to say the same answer here. England. England. <laughs> the next one was, how will England do? But we've just got win. Clarified <laughs> that one. <laughs> do you think that they're going to kind of smash it? How do you see this tournament going for them? Or do you think it might be a bit cagey? I think they'll grow into the tournament. I think the first few games might be slightly cagey. Uh, I do think they'll win them. But I think growing into the tournament, you know, soaking up the atmosphere and really easing their way in, gaining confidence and you know, not letting the occasion get the better of them. I think the more they play in front of the crowd to the first few games, they'll then start to settle in and get used to it and it'll be the norm come towards the semi and the final, hopefully. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, I think they'll be desperate to get the first game out of the way, just to get them nerves. I mean, it's completely different going to a different country and playing in front of other crowds. You can relax, you can enjoy it. Yes, it's hostile to a certain degree, yeah. 
But when you're at home and that pressure's on you, and you've got all the TV cameras and you've got the nation with the hopes hidden and on you. And let's not forget the press as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so get that, get, get that first game out of the way, see how they, they, they fare in that first game and then grow with confidence. Right, who are the dark horses? I'm going to go Sweden. I mean, they're not really a dark horse. No, I mean, your yeah. answer's a game. Sweden as well. They're not really a dark horse because they're a no, fantastic they're team, but... Black Stinius at the minute from oh, Arsenal Stina. is on My four. Girl. So I think, yeah, I think she's up there. Yeah, yeah. I was going to exactly the same. I just think, obviously, very well organised as well. We know that from the Scandinavian teams. I was going to go the same, but uh, do you know what? I'm going I'm to go Portugal now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> as well. No Northern Ireland. Um, Didn't sell it to you. No. Who will be the top scorer? Now, if I don't hear a, a Beth Mead thrown in there, if, we, if we're going for England to win, surely, oh, Ellen, Ellen White. Ellen Ellen White, Beth Mead, even like Ella Toon, depending what part yeah, she yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah. Georgia Stanway, potentially, depending what part she Georgia. plays. We can, yeah. we can go for a different teams as well, by the way. Is Katoto in, in, in the French squad? Yes. Yeah, I'm going for her. Yeah. Yes, she is on fire. Yeah, she's flying. Yeah, she's got, I mean, it's about 10 goals in the last 20 games or something, isn't it? So I'm going to go for her. Okay. Well, when I was doing a bit of research earlier, England were nowhere near the top for the amount of goals scored. Oh. I'm hoping this one that we can change that, obviously. Yeah. So as long as it's an England player, I'm good. No, I don't care. <laughs> just, just get me some goals. England win and we're done. Okay, so we all think that it's coming home. England yes. have got this, right? Absolutely. It's going to be an incredible summer, isn't it? Hopefully. Oh. Hopefully. <laughs> I think tomorrow. I think it will be. I think the atmosphere. I think that hopefully where games are before the weather. The weather will play a huge part in this, and bringing people out to the the venues, the the grounds, the pubs, making sure that everyone's connected in that. We get good weather. Could be unbelievable. I think it'll be brilliant and I think it will be incredible for growing the women's game. I'm going to be in every single pub around the country throwing my beer around. You just watch. Oh no. <laughs> you, you, there's always one. Right, guys, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Bring on the thank Euros. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Women's Euro Preview with We Love Sport and the Women's Football Podcast. Don't forget to visit www.welovesport.co to find out about all our upcoming events, offers and ticket giveaways.